Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. I'm going to pray for you guys real quick. I know, you're like, we, we pray a lot here at this church, don't we? Yeah, I'm going to pray for you real quick, and then we're going to get going, and it's going to be a fun time. I promise you, I'm preaching a short message today. Those of you who are visiting, uh, this isn't normal, okay? I usually preach for a little while longer, and it's good. You just don't even feel like it. don't even feel like I preach for a long time, does it? Yeah, y'all are not doing this. It's not good, y'all. Come on. All right, I'm kidding. It's going to be a great day. Let me go ahead and pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person in this room right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that our hearts, our minds are open and receptive to you this morning, Father. And I pray, God, that you would just nudge our hearts this morning, Father, that you would speak to us, uh, Lord, in in an amazing way. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Now, here's how this works. I don't like it when it's really, really quiet. Now, I know sometimes when it's really quiet, it's because you're thinking or you're eating something, right? But, but I like dialogue back and forth. You can laugh. I give you permission to laugh in church, y'all. It's completely okay. Sound good? Whew. All right. Here we go. Hey, so we are kicking off a brand new series today called Wrestling God. Someone said, is that God drop-kicking God? Well, how do you know it's not God drop-kicking that guy, right? So it's, it's a series called Wrestling God. I don't know about you. I'm about to tell you how old I am right now, but, but I, I used to love watching wrestling back in the 80s. Anybody like watching wrestling? Yeah, back in the 80s, man. Some of y'all, like, y'all still watch Anybody still watch it? Any grown men over 60 still watch wrestling right now? No, okay. So I used to love watching wrestling when I was coming up, man. And they had, there was no uh, shortage of characters that you could pull from, right? I mean, you had all sorts of people like, you had Macho Man Randy Savage, right? What was his catchphrase? Y'all remember his catchphrase? It was, oh, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. You had Macho Man Randy Savage. You had the Dragon Ricky Steamboat. You had Arn Anderson. You had the one and the only Ric Flair. What did he go? Woo! Isn't that awesome? I love it. I love it. You had all sorts of people like Andre the Giant. Do you know Andre the Giant? Y'all remember who Andre? If you've seen The Princess Bride, raise your hand. Come on, somebody. Andre the Giant, he was a wrestler. Seven foot two, 540 pounds. That's a big boy, isn't it? But, you know, of all the wrestlers that, that I used to watch, there was none other. My favorite wrestler was a guy named Hulk Hogan. Come on, there he is. Brother, someone said before church, they said, why are you putting that man in the Speedo with no shirt on his chest? You're causing the women to lust. (laughs) Isn't that how it works backwards? Usually guys are like that. Dress up, you're causing me to lust. No, you're responsible for your own lust, amen? Someone else is not responsible for your own lust, okay? So that was the man, Hulk Hogan. I wanted to be like Hulk Hogan with just more hair, you know? I just wanted to be just like Hulk Hogan, man. He He was the hero in wrestling. And, and if you've watched, if you knew you were watching it back then, you knew that there was a time period around 87 where, where Hulk Hogan had gone three years undefeated. And they matched him up. Vince McMahon matched him up with a guy named Andre the Giant for WrestleMania 3. Right? WrestleMania 3. Now, Andre the Giant hadn't been, hadn't been defeated in 15 years. Some of you are like, cannot believe you're talking about wrestling. Hang in there with me. It gets good, I promise. 15 years he had been undefeated. Hulk Hogan had been undefeated three years. And they're going to meet each other at WrestleMania 3. And it was iconic. If you remember 
what happened in WrestleMania 3 was iconic. It was amazing. Actually, I actually have the clip for you right here. I have the clip for you right here. Check it out. Watch. Watch what happens. Here. Andre the Giant, 7'2", 540. Boom. Body slams. No, no. We got to watch it again. Watch. Here we go. Picks him up. Slams him. Boom. Boom. 7'2", 540 pounds. He was the man. You see, Andre the Giant was a bad guy. Hulk Hogan, he was a good guy. The good guy beat the bad guy. You see, growing up, I always loved pulling for the good guys. Didn't you? Don't you? Some of you like, nah, criminals. <laughs> you were always playing. Cops and robbers, you were the, always the robber, right? You know, I always pulled for the good guy, and it was so cool. I was like, yes, that's awesome. 1987, no, go back, go back, go back. No, I just leave it. Pull it up. No, no, pull it up. Go ahead, pull it up. It's there. It's already there. No, no, no. Fast forward. <laughs> just in case you didn't see it. Go to the next slide. There. Do you know what happened in 1997? 1997, Hulk Hogan went from being Hulk Hogan. I was a, a, a Hulk fan to, to, yeah, Hulkamaniac, exactly. He went from being the good guy to being the what? He's a bad guy. Then NWO, the, the new, new World Order. The New World Order. Man. See, professional wrestling was more than just the actual match. It was the story that went behind it. Do you know what they used to call, what they still do now? Do you know what they call bad guys in wrestling? Do you know there's a name for it? There's a term for it. Do you know what the term is? Bad guy. No, it's not bad guy. It's something else. You know what the term for a bad guy in wrestling is? Watch. Heel. It's heel. H-E-E-L. That's what they used to call the bad guys. They were the heels. They were the bad guys. And so Hulk went from being a good guy to being a, a heel. And it was all about the story that was being told. Professional wrestling was more than just the actual match. Like I said, it was about the story, the outlandish, over-the-top, completely ridiculous storylines. Did you know it was fake? (laughs) Do you know it's fake? It's like someone's like, yeah, but I see blood. It's painfully fake, but it's still fake. It's all scripted. There's a good story that goes along with it. You know, my mom growing up, she used to say, that was men's soap opera right there. Wrestling was a man's soap opera. Y'all had General Hospital. We had WWF. WWF. World Wrestling Federation. Not World Wildlife Federation. Now it's called the WWE. It was the good days. It was the male soap opera. And today we're kicking off a series called Wrestling God. And it comes from a, a passage of Scripture that can, can kind of be hard to understand. It can kind of be hard to read. But I want you to check it out. You'll find it over in Genesis 25. But before we get there, I want to kind of highlight a couple things. Sometimes when you're reading the Bible, if you take the Bible and you just read it flat from the beginning to the end, you miss out on all sorts of incredible things. The Bible is not meant to be read flatly or, or completely literal from beginning to end. How many of you understand that? There's all sorts of figurative language in there. There's all sorts of allegorical stories that are in there, metaphors in there. You know, when it says God is a rock, it doesn't mean God is a rock. When God is like a bird, it doesn't mean God is a, a bird. There's all sorts of really neat stories and stuff. And if you start reading certain things... And, 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 you're, and you don't read deeply into them, you'll, you'll miss things. And so 
This story about Jacob is one of those stories that you got to understand there's something deeper happening here, something bigger happening here than just what's on the surface. And so we're going to spend the next four weeks kind of unpacking that. But to get to Jacob, let me just kind of give a flyover for you real quick. In Genesis chapter 1 through 11, the first 11 chapters of Genesis have to do with creation. It has to do with Adam and Eve. It has to do with this world flood. It has to do with the destruction of the world and then the rebuilding of the world, the repopulating of the world. That's Genesis 1 through 11, right? And, and, and you get to a guy named Abraham in chapter 12, or actually his name at that point is Abram in chapter 12. So Genesis 12 to 20 follows the story of Abram, Abram and his wife Sarai. And see, God appears to Abram, and he tells Abram, he says, man, I got something amazing for you. I'm going to do something incredible. I'm going to bless your life more than you can ever imagine. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. It's going to be incredible. And so you have the story of Abram and and Sarai going back and forth, trusting God and not trusting God. If you want to feel better about your life, just go back and read the Old Testament. There's some really jacked up people in there, amen? There's some really jacked up people in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, you just read it, you'll feel better about yourself, right? Abraham and Sarai, they, 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 they don't believe God. They're bouncing back and forth. They take things into their hands. There's a, a servant girl who gets pregnant, and all this, other, all this other stuff happens. And then you get to this. You get to Sarah getting, or Sarah getting her name changed to Sarah, right? And, and she ends up getting pregnant just like God said she would. And she ends up having a son named Isaac. Now, Isaac picks up in Genesis chapter 21. And here's where Isaac's at. Isaac is the, the son of Abraham and Sarah, born, the promise born. And then the story in between chapter, in these chapters, you actually should go back and read them. But the story moves forward in Genesis chapter 25. And that's where we're going to start. Genesis chapter 25. Real quick, check it out. Go back. Genesis 25, verse 19, it says this. And this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of who, church? Come on, talk back to me. Who? There we go, Abraham. It said, when Isaac was 40 years old, let me just interject right here, not old. Amen? 40 years old is not old. Amen? That's going right. All right. And he married Rebekah. The daughter of Bethuel, an Aramean, right, from Padam Aram. These names, y'all. And the sister of Laban, the Aramean. It says, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife. Watch. Because she was unable to have children, the Lord answered Isaac's prayer. And Rebekah became pregnant with twins. How many, how many think that story unfolded like this? Rebecca, I've prayed for you. Well, thank you, Isaac, that you would have kids. Thank you, Isaac. Twins. I hate you, Isaac. Right? I don't know. I've never had kids, but I can just assume that that you'll have the same thing. Like, two? Not one, two. You got to be careful what you pray for. So verse 22, it says, but the two children were struggling with each other in her womb, and she went to ask the Lord about it. This is more than just heartburn. Amen. He, he said, what is happening to me? And God said, twins. She asked, what is happening to me? And he told her, the sons in your womb will become to what church? Two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be what? Rivals. Sounds about right, doesn't it? 
Just about every sibling rivalry, and that's what happens. That's what you do. Did you ever fight your brother or sister? I'll tell you a story real quick, and then I'll get back to preaching. But my sister's not here to defend herself, so I can make whatever I want up about her, okay? So when I was younger, my, now I have two sisters, right? I have one that's seven years younger than me. We got along fine. She was great, right? And then I have one who was 18 months younger than me. We did not get along at all, right? She was the bane of my existence, We love each other now. She lives an hour away. That's why we love each other now. But there were times, hang in there with me, there were times when we would go to blows. I mean, we were kids and we would go to blows. For, and before y'all think, oh, that's so mean, you hit your sister. You've never been hit by my sister. Never. There was one time she chased me behind a couch with a butcher knife. It was a butcher knife. I remember it was a butcher knife. I had a pen, a clothespin, and I went after her with a clothespin, and she chased me behind the couch with a butcher knife. Now, when my mom got home, she said it was a butter knife, but a butter and butcher, they both start with B. And I remember hiding behind the couch and grabbing the phone that was connected to the wall. Y'all remember those, the phones? That, and I pulled it up behind, and I called my mom at work, and like, I said, Randy's trying to kill me. She's got a knife. My mom had to leave work, come home. Take the butcher knife from my sister. This, I understand this rivalry. One time we were playing this game Trouble. You ever had that game? You ever played the game? The bubble, where you hit the bubble. Y'all remember Trouble, right? And we were playing, we were on the bunk bed in her room playing Trouble. That should tell you something. That's a no-no. The game is a horrible game. And I was playing, and I was beating her, and she got so mad at me. I was sitting on the, like, towards the edge. She got so mad at me. I was winning. I said, I'm winning. She said, no. And, and she took her foot, and she Front kicked me off her bunk bed, and I fell back. Why did you laugh? That's so bad. I felt, I fell back, and I hit my head on the corner of the wall, and there was blood gushing everywhere. It wasn't really gushing. It was a little spot, but it was there. So I had this. I understand. Y'all, if you had kids, brothers and sisters, some of y'all have not been hit by your brother and sister, and it shows. But back to the message, the spiritual stuff. It says, the sun in your womb became two, na- two nations. The, from the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. Your older son will serve your younger son. Let me tell you how big of a deal that is. That's not the way that culture operated back then. It was never that the younger son got more than the first son, the firstborn. The firstborn got the most of the inheritance, got the most of the land, got the most of the cattle. And so this was a countercultural statement that God was making. How many of you know God is very countercultural, isn't he? Constantly doing this, flipping things upside down, paradoxically speaking, right? He says, if you want to be the greatest, you must be the what? The least. If you want to be first, you got to be last, right? That's the way, that's the way God works. That's the way he, he did things. It was culturally counter or counterculture. And so Rebecca discovered that she indeed did have twins. I wonder how that went. You indeed had twins, the first one was very what? What does it say? It says red. The first one was really very red at birth, right? First one was really red at birth and had thick hair like a fur coat. Y'all, come on. That's a hairy kid. Like a fur coat. Red, thick, fur coat, baby. We shall name him Esau. You know what Esau meant? Hairy. So you imagine introducing yourself to your friends in the playground. What's your name? Harry, right? Red and Harry Furcoat. That's my name. Keep going. 
Next verse. It says, and then the other twin was born with his hand grasping he, uh, Esau's what? Grasping his heel. So they're wrestling inside the womb, right? They're wrestling inside the womb. Esau is born first, but there's somebody grabbing a hold of his heel. And it would be Jacob. It's Jacob. It's, it's the heel in the story. Remember, the bad guy in the story in wrestling is called the heel. And so here Jacob is grabbing at Esau's heel. And so they named him Jacob, which means heel grabber or supplanter or deceiver. Man, how about growing up with your name being deceiver? What's your name? Deceiver. Pick him. And so they named him Jacob, and Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Let me just tell you something. 60 years, not old. Not old. Not, amen. Yeah, not old at all, right? I'm 43. I'm, I'm closer to 60 than I am to, to, to 20. 60 ain't old. 60 is not old. So, Jesus, I mean, Jacob would go out to live out his namesake. Jacob was a dirty, dirty person, y'all. He was a dirty guy. He was a trickster. See, he got his brother, listen, he got his brother to give up his firstborn rights for some soup. I mean, it wasn't a really hard thing to do. Esau's God was his stomach, right? Sometimes that's how my life is. My stomach is my God. I'm not looking at nobody else. So he got his brother to give up his first, uh, firstborn rights. The second thing, you know, he lied to his parents. He tricked his father into blessing him over his brother. And even in the process of lying to his father, lied about what God had done. Oh, yeah, look, the Lord has provided me this meal for today. In the process of lying, brought God into it. Dirty. So Jacob leaves his home with his father's blessing, goes and finds a wife. He actually goes to his uncle's place. I'm telling you all, Old Testament is full of some weird stuff. Goes to his uncle's place to find a wife. And while he's at his uncle's place, this guy named Laban, he, he's surveying the, the ladies. He's surveying his cousins. And that's a weird thing. And he finds one. He's like, Rebecca. Is it Rebecca? I think it's Rebecca, right? Rachel. I'm sorry, Rachel. He finds Rachel, right? He finds Rachel, and he says, that's her. That's the one I want to marry. And so he strikes up a deal with Laban. His uncle, and he said, hey, I want to marry Rachel. And Laban says, well, you got to work for me for seven years. Seven years you got to work for me, and then you can get married, right? And so Isaac goes to work. He, he works for seven years. Gets to the end of the seven years. Is so excited. He gets so smashed at his wedding night. True story. Y'all read your Bible, right? Come on, church. Y'all read your Bible? He got so smashed at his wedding night. Honeymoon night one was fantastic until he woke up the next day and found out he had married Leah, the one that was like, uh, like that was Leah. That, to, he was not attracted to Leah. He did not want Leah. He wanted Rachel, and so he was mad that he was deceived. Now, he was a trickster. He was a, a heel in the story, but he had been won up by his uncle, and so he goes back to Laban again, and he says, Laban, hey, man, you, that was dirty. You were dirty, right? And Laban's like, remind you of someone. And he says, I want Rachel. 
He seven more years you get to work for me. You can marry Rachel. Seven years goes by, he marries Rachel. Now he not only has Rachel as a wife, but he also has Leah as a wife. Um, that's too many people. <laughs> right. And so he goes on, he he does all sorts of great things. He becomes very prosperous, he becomes very rich, very, very rich. And then Laban's sons begin to talk down about Jay, uh, about sorry. Yeah, Jacob. Talk down about Jacob, and they, he's, they're trash talking him. and said, "Man, you're 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 taking all of our father's money because he's been gr- growing really wealthy, really rich, and you're just coming in here and you're taking everything away from us." And they start plotting against Jacob, and Jacob catches it, and he goes, "I must leave." And so he leaves at night. He leaves at night. And he takes all his people, all his possessions, all his his wealth, and his two wives, and he leaves. And Laban finds out. And he's so furious with him because he tried to steal away his daughters, even though he had already married away his daughters. It's really weird. And they strike up this covenant, and there's peace. But he's too big to stay there now, so he has to go back home. He has to go back where there's more land, so he makes a plan to go back home. The only problem is is that there is somebody at home waiting for him. Do you all know who's at home waiting for him? Esau is waiting for him. And so he thinks to himself, you know, if, if someone had done something like that to me, I would be wanting to get him back. So he sends one of his servants to Esau with lots and lots of wealth to soften him up. Give him lots of wealth. And go tell Esau that Jacob's returning home. All right? Go tell Esau Jacob's returning home. And so a servant comes back and says, hey, I got there. And funny thing, on the way there, we, we met Esau, but it wasn't just Esau. He's coming your way. And it's not just coming your way by himself, but he's got 400 people coming with him. He is bringing an army of 400 people to meet you. And so Jacob begins to have a little bit of a meltdown. Begins to have a little bit of a, I'm sorry, Isaac, not Jacob, sorry. No, that's right, Isaac, Jacob. It's Jacob. So Jacob begins to have a meltdown. It becomes overwhelming. And he thinks maybe, just maybe, this was a bad idea. Maybe tricking my older brother out of what was rightfully his it is a bad idea. Have you ever found yourself in a spot where you absolutely a thousand percent regret a decision that you've made? That you've begin to see the outcome come to pass? You've looked at the situation and you go, that was a really good idea in my head, but it's destroying my life. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I have. I've been there. You make decisions, and then we knew it was the wrong one. And that's when the wrestling match starts on the inside. We regret what we've done, and we start even maybe trying to justify what we did. But it comes to a point where we recognize, we realize that the wages of sin is death. Guys, that's the way it works. People are scared of God, like God's going to get you. If you do something wrong, God's going to get you. No, God's not out to get you. God's out to love you. Come on, somebody. Right? God's out to love you. Sin is out to get you. Sin carries with it its own consequence, period. It carries its own consequence. It's the wages. It's the reward. Work your hours in sin. Get paid with death. That's the way it works. And when you're having this wrestling match going on on the inside, the last thing that you want to do is sit down with God and talk to God. Maybe it's just me. I'll just put me on there. The last thing that I've wanted to do at times in my life where I have willingly and purposefully sinned is sit down 
and talk to God about it. It's true. I can sit down and, and say, like, God, I don't have time to hear the wisdom that leads to the freedom that you, you want for me. I'll figure it out myself. Because after all, I got myself into this. And this is when the wrestling match begins. I have been in some matches. I have been in some wrestling matches. Consequences of the decisions I've made, I have been in some wrestling matches. Things that I thought would end my life. Things I have thought that could potentially end my marriage. Things I had thought would potentially end my career. Like, aren't you a pastor? Yep. Aren't you not? Yep. Yeah. It's when I realized at this moment that fear wasn't from God. The fear I was dealing with was myself. And it's when I realized that really the, the heel of, of my story is me. That's usually how it works. The heel of my story was me. Because, listen, you, you can't control what life throws at you, correct? You can't control what life throws at you. But you always have a decision on how you're going to respond. Always. Always. And I found that my decisions oftentimes, more than not, led me to seeing that I was the heel of my own story. That's not to say that if you've been in here and you've been hurt by somebody else, that somebody else wasn't a heel in your life. They absolutely could have been. But at the end of the day, from that moment, whatever that moment was, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, you still have a decision to make. You still have a choice to make. It was at this moment, this meltdown, this wrestling match with himself, coming face to face with his sin, that he would actually begin to wrestle with God. And that's what we're going to pick up in Genesis 25. In verse 19, it says, and this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of who, church? Come on, church, who is it? The son of who? Oh, it wasn't on the screen. <laughs> They're like, we don't know, we don't see it. <laughs> this is the account of family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Right, when Isaac was 40 years old. Wait a minute, didn't we just read that? Yeah, let's go to the next one. Hold on. This thing keeps switching back. Sorry, it's Genesis 31. That's my bad. John, you did a great job. Genesis 31, there we go. Verse 22, it says, And during the night, Jacob got up and he took his two wives, his two servant wives. That's a horrible phrase, isn't it? How many ladies dislike that phrase? Yeah. Right. He took his two amazing wives and his 11 sons. Oh, they are absolutely amazing. Eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent all his possessions. He left Jacob. All, they, this left Jacob all alone. Y'all say alone. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. Did, can I just tell you something? It's being alone. It's being in those alone moments when God has a chance to really begin to work on you. You see, I'm a. I, I am so good at being distracted. Anybody else good at being distracted? I love being distracted because when I'm distracted, I ain't got to deal with my own stuff. But it's sometimes when we're alone, that we're quiet, that's when God does his best work. 
It says, this left Jacob alone in the camp, being alone. Again, is the best place God works. It says, and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn break. That's hours of wrestling. A man came with him and wrestled. This is a weird statement. A man came with him to wrestle. You imagine how that made it played out? Here, uh, here he is, like just Jacob is just wrapped up in this moment, having a moment with God, dealing with stress and anxiety and the fear and wondering if he's going to die or not. And this guy shows up and he's like, want to wrestle? Isn't that weird? Maybe it didn't unfold like that, but I think that's how it kind of unfolded. Right? Want to wrestle? Jacob's like, yeah, let's wrestle. And they start wrestling. And it says they wrestle for hours. If you've never wrestled somebody, it's a very tiring thing, like real wrestling. I've done martial arts for the majority of my years. I haven't done it in the last couple of years because 43. But I've done martial arts years ago. And I used to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I used to wrestle and grapple. And can I just tell you right now, grappling with somebody for five minutes full force on the mat will wear you out. It will wear you, slam out. And these guys wrestled for hours. And when the man saw, now watch, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Now, can we just pause for a moment? Because some scholars say, well, this is the angel of God. Hosea actually says, in the book of Hosea actually says he wrestled, Jacob wrestled with God. If this is God wrestling, how many of y'all are a little bit confused on the fact that the man, God, in this moment is seeing that he can't win this wrestling match? Did you ever figure God to be someone who couldn't win a wrestling match with somebody? Come on, did you, did you ever figure that be the case? I don't think it's to be the case. I think it even gives us the, the, the evidence of that in the very next line. It says, and seeing that he couldn't win, he touched his hip socket and knocked it out of socket. Isn't that weird? We're going to make sense of all of this over the next couple of weeks, but I just want you to see it. So he wrenched it out of his socket. Was God really struggling or was something else going on in this story? And then the man said, let me go for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you what? Bless me. So much in this statement. There's so much being formed there. Some, that's, a, that's a Freudian slip. You ever know what a Freudian slip is where you say something you didn't really mean to say, but it reveals what you're really thinking inside, right? At least I think that's what a Freudian slip is. If it's not, don't tell me. But that's what was going on with Jacob in this moment. He says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You see, Jacob had something going on with his identity. He had something going on with the way he saw himself. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. We're going to look at that next week. What is your name, the man said. He replied, Jacob. What is your name? Do you think God didn't know what his name was? Doesn't this harken back to like a scripture earlier on in Genesis? Like Genesis 3, when God came looking for Adam and Eve. You remember that? And he said what? He said, where are you? Do you think God, the king of hide and go seek, didn't know where Adam and Eve were at? Do you think he's like, like when you're like, oh, there you are. Like, no, he knew where they were at. The question he was asking them wasn't to figure out where they're at. The question he was asking them is to figure out where they themselves were at. Where are you? You need to know where you're at. This angel, this God in this picture, this, this person, he, he asked Jacob, he says, what's your name? You see, you can't deal with with things in your life until you're willing to admit 
that they're there. What's your name? He, he says, Jacob. And he says something to Jacob. He says, Jacob, he says, your, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. But from now on, you will be called what? Israel. You'll be called Israel because you fought with God and with men and have won. Interesting. From Jacob to Israel, from living for yourself to living for others. Do you know what the Jewish people were called after this in the Old Testament? They were called the people of Israel. The people of Israel. Go from living for yourself to living for others. Now watch, Jacob says, please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you need to know my name? The man replied. Don't flip this back on me. The man says, I know who I am. I know who I am. And he blessed Jacob there, and Jacob named that place Peniel, which means the face of God. For he said, I have seen God's face. I've seen God face to face, yet my life had been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel. And it was limping. He was limping because of the injury to his hip. It says, and even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. That's just a weird statement. Because then you got to ask yourself, like, what are they? Like, the tendon of what? The hip of what? Yeah. Stuff. People. Not people. That's, that's frowned upon. Yeah. The wrestling match, it was huge for Jacob. And this wrestling match wasn't about, about God killing Jacob. It, was, and it wasn't about God maiming Jacob. This match was about God forming Jacob. And there's a difference, y'all, between being created and being formed. There's a difference between being created and being formed. The, the clay used to, to, to make a pottery, to make pottery, has been created. But in order to make the pot, you have to what? You have to form it. The metals that make a sword have been created, but in order to make that into a sharp blade, you have to what? Form it. The wrestling match wasn't to wipe Jacob out. It was to form him, and that's what happens. Listen, God desires life for you. God desires freedom for you. God desires your life to be full and abundant, but it's not going to come by wishing. It's going to come by forming, and how willing we are to be formed and that process will determine how we move forward in life with God. Are we willing to wrestle with God? Are we willing to wrestle with God? Listen to what it says in Isaiah 43.1. We're almost done. Oh, I'm so good on time. Isaiah 43.1, it says, but now, Jacob, it says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, look at that. Oh, look at that. O Israel, the one who, what? Formed you. Oh, Jacob, the one who created you, but oh, Israel, the one who formed you, says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. That's the whole point of the wrestling match, is to ransom you. He said, I've called you by name, and you are mine. The whole point of us wrestling in this moment with God is for you to come out convinced that you have been called by name and that you are God's. 
The wrestling match with God is more than just a match. It's about the story. And when we wrestle with God, again, it's never really about wrestling him. Now watch. It's about wrestling ourselves. More specifically, it's about wrestling your past. When you wrestle with God, you're wrestling your past. Who are you? I'm Jacob, not no more. You see, what you've done is not who you are. So it's wrestling your past. You know what else it is? It's, it's wrestling your now. It's wrestling yourself. It's wrestling your present. It's wrestling with the moment right now. And it's also about wrestling your future. It's about wrestling your future. God, what are you doing in my life? I don't like the way that looks. I don't want to be a part of that. I'm actually furious with you about that. And God says, good, let's wrestle about it. Wrestling our past, that's next week. Week two is wrestling our past. Wrestling our present, that's the week after that. I'm preaching that one. Next week, Pastor Kim's preaching. We got to, hey, hey, simmer down. This, the week after that, I'm preaching. All right, there you go. And then the week, I was so, I was so forced. I was like, hey, hey. The week after that, we have Rob Schwartz preaching to wrap this thing up. <laughs> Woo, Rob. I'm kidding. I'm so, I love listening to that dude preach, man. He's awesome. So those are the next three weeks, guys. Can I encourage you this morning? I believe that God wants to do something powerful in your life. I believe that every one of us in this room watching online, listening to the podcast later on, is in a wrestling match with God. You just got to determine what are you wrestling with right now? Are you wrestling with your past? Are you wrestling with your now? Are you wrestling with your future? That's the question, right? So now you got to come back the next three weeks. Do me a favor. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes for me real quick. And we're just going to go ahead and wrap. Father, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your goodness. And, Father, I thank you for moving in, in our hearts this morning, Father, for speaking to our hearts this morning. Father, I thank you for the plans that you have for each person in this room online and listening to the podcast. God, I thank you that your plans are good for us to give us a hope in the future, Father, as we wrestle with you. Father, we thank you. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen, amen, amen. That is it for today. Listen.